Hi, everybody. This is Ed and Misha hitting you at 7.30 in the morning. I've been editing this episode nonstop, and I sound like I've been kidnapped and shoved into a microwave, and I don't know how to fix it, and I'm very sorry. Of course, this happens on our first hour-long special episode. If you can't bear it, there's always next week, of course. Anyways, I also wanted to add that this episode is going to be about Danganronpa and between recording the episode and the release date when you're listening that the team behind Danganronpa, Spike Chunsoff, announced Danganronpa Decadence, which is uh, 1, 2, and V3, but also a new fourth game called Danganronpa S Ultimate Summer Camp. And we don't really know much about the game yet, and we also won't be discussing it. I also wanted to mention that because we aren't discussing it, I am going to link like a few articles of what we know about it now as the bonus content post-episode notes. If any of y'all want to check that out, thank you for listening. Welcome everyone to Defropology brought to you by Radio Nepal. I'm your co-host Jeffrey, and today is our birthday episodes, I'm super excited about that. And my fun fact of the day is I just turned in a paper and we're going to see if you published or not. My name is Misha and I recently got an invisible ink pen that I'm way too excited about. So um, our question of the day is, well, because it's the birthday episode, we're going to do like a little bit of a weird, more like kind of niche themed episode. So we're going to be talking about our favorite game series, Danganronpa. And our question of the day is, who are our favorite Danganronpa characters? Misha, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? So, my major's anthropology, so I really like Karekio. And I also really like Kiyotaka, just because he's, like, a good dude. <laughs> my favorites are hmm, Rantaro. I love me some Rantaro. He's, like, the type of guy, like, I would be into. And then I also like Mew. Because she just, that mouth is hilarious. And then my last favorite character would be Sakura. Oh, really? Because just her presence, I like that, I like the strong, silent, reliable type. Yeah, I just thought it'd be Kokichi, to be honest. I like the drama, but I couldn't stand him. I just live for him Mm. as a character. I'm thinking of who I wanted to hang out with. Oh, fair enough. I don't think I'd want to hang out with Hirotaka, to be honest, even though I like him. <laughs> I feel like I would get into arguments about, like, what is morality? Yeah, like, you get too philosophical too quickly. But also, just before we dive into the episode, of course, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. We're going to start off by introducing the series, taking a small break, talking about our favorite things, and then taking another small break. And then the last 15 minutes will just be talking. So if you guys don't know, Danganronpa is a series from Japan. Um, it was published by the game company Spike Chunsoft. And in this series, you basically get, um, there's a thing called Ultimate, which is very important for this series. If you're an Ultimate, you're a high school student who has a particular talent in like, it can be anything. So like, for instance, there's the Ultimate Pop Sensation or the ultimate baseball player. It can also be really weird, like ultimate biker gang leader. Like it's just kind of out there to whatever someone's talent possibly could be. And when you're scouted, it's basically like guaranteed success in life. So that's why it is like a very coveted position. And there's like online board discussions. And 
in the series, we um, there's basically like at least in the beginning of the series, it was kind of like these people were giving this letter to Hope's Peak Academy, though it later changes in the third game, and they are brought to a school. And in the school, they meet a headmaster named Manokuma, who is a anamorphic bear who can speak. And he's like a he's like a, kind of like a I don't know if this is for, but he's like a bear, black and white bear. And um, he basically tells them that instead of the school, like the school life they had fought, like they're gonna have a normal school life, just you know, study their talents and whatever, have a high school experience with other ultimates. But instead, the six, the sixteen students are there to kill each other and bring despair. So basically, the only way to get out of the school or be stuck there forever is to kill another student or another ultimate and get away with the murder. Because there is a camp, there's a um, function in the game called a class trial. And if you kill someone, you have to get away with it and you're called the black end. In the trial, you have to commit the murder and not get caught. I covered that pretty well. Did I miss anything, Misha? You never said uh, the school's name. I don't think it's super important, but it's- I said Hope's, I, I said Hope's Peak, but I didn't say that. I forgot the, I forget the third school's name. Oh, I thought it was just uh, so Hope's Peak. No, no, it, it, it changes. It's- Oh, it's like the um some gifted gifted academy for gifted juveniles or something. Oh. It was a really mm. weird name. I thought I couldn't remember it. Oh, that's a good mm. note. There's three games in the main series, and there's a spin-off game that was produced between two and three called Ultimate Despair Girls. We're probably not gonna touch on that game because not both of us have played it. But between two and three, I can just say like a brief opinion on the game and just leave it at that. And then we'll go into the third game. But um, yeah, Misha, so what do you think about like the overview of the game? Like what drew you into the game? To be honest, it was just like everywhere. Like if you go into YouTube comment sections or things like that, there's always like at least one thing in Rampa icon. And I was like, I need to know. I got to know. And I've seen like uh, screenshots that were slight spoilers before, just again, by virtue of being on the Internet. Um, I was like, I need to know why they have pink blood. That was something I wanted to figure out. Uh, I also wanted to add, and this isn't like super important, but there's also an anime of the series and it kind of goes off in its own direction. I don't think we're going to talk about that because I haven't finished the anime. There's a manga too. There is a manga series. But yeah, if you guys didn't know, if you guys are interested in playing the game, though, I'm going to tell you that it is a visual novel. So what a visual novel is, it's not like there is movement in the game. So you do get a walk around, which makes it different than other visual novels because there is like action movement. But it's a lot of text reading. Like a lot of the dialogue before you get to a class trial is just reading. So that's going to bother you. You may just want to watch like a let's play of the game. Like in the background, because if... Sometimes if I don't like a visual novel, but I still want to see how it ends, I would just watch a Let's Play. Like I try to give all of them a chance, but some of them I, I can get why some people wouldn't be interested. Um, but I personally was interested in it because I saw Monokuma and I was like, that is a cute sprite. And I also <laughs> like anytime I'm in a like, a, I watch a lot of Let's Players because like I like to watch after I play a game, I like to see whatever people think of the game. And in every comment, if you play anything anime related, Japan adjacent or visual novel adjacent, you need to play Danganronpa. Mm. Oh my God, Senpai, play Danganronpa. Play Danganronpa. The, the Danganronpa fandom, by the way, guys, is notoriously like 
Um, I'm not trying to scare you from the fandom. There's a lot of like 50% are like the best people you ever meet if you find them. The other 50%, they love to spoil. They don't spoil, they don't like, they don't spoil like usually other people, but what they'll do is they'll go into a Let's Players comment and try to comment that it's so annoying. (laughs) What do you think about the fandom, Isha? I mean, I can't say I really actively participate in the fandom other than with like you. But I have, I've seen, I've seen them out in the wild and it's a bit iffy. Have you, have you seen that video that was about, and we can talk about this with Goodbye Despair, that's the second game, but there's a certain character named Kometa that's very coveted and someone faked cutting off their pinky because they were a Kometa kinny. Do we need to do we need to explain kidding? I really don't want to. <laughs> no, 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 no. The other thing that's I think we should talk about with the fandom real quick is this is not me shaming young people, by the way. Uh, I was a 13-year-old once. But one thing I did notice is as the game got more popular by the V3 game, a lot of the fandom became like 12 to 14-year-olds. Like online at least. Like there's a lot of adults who play Danganronpa, but the people you'll see the most on like who write the fan fiction and who make the the TikToks are actually really cool though. I tell everyone to, if you want to see cool cosplay, look up a Danganronpa cosplay because they're really creative. But like it's just like people will have their favorite character ship, and if you have any opinion on them, oh god, it's a comment war every time, and it's very it's very amusing. <laughs> I have a question though. Have you ever read Dragon fan fiction? Because I have. Oh yeah, I read it all. I I read it all the time. Oh. <laughs> I can tell you the most popular ships too when we get to the games. Mm, interesting. Because I, I know that there's fan fiction, but I haven't seeked it out. It's mostly like, first game, it's like Byakuya, Makoto, and Kyoko. And the second game, I would say it's Nagito, Hajime, Chiaki, but also there's a lot of Gundam and Kazuichi. And then the third game, it's Shuichi, Kokichi, Kaede, Rantaro, Latu. And then there's all, oh, there's also a lot, what's that one character? Kaito and Maki, yeah. I mean, the most popular on fanfiction that I've noticed is a uh, soccer and Ellie popular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember when I played the first game, that was like the standout like pair to me. I was like, ooh, athletic lesbians, ooh. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> With a lot of Makoto and Biakia. I don't really care for that one. I don't mind it. It's like, whatever. (laughs) If it's written well, it's written well. That's kind of how I see it. Mm. I mean, it makes sense that people would ship like a cat and mouse type character in that sense. Anything else we should introduce, you think? They do have a really great soundtrack. (laughs) The soundtrack of this game is fantastic, guys. You guys have to check it out. Also, besides the soundtrack, also the voice acting. They have like some of the best Mm -hmm. voice actors like in the Japan version, a lot of there's a really good English uh, voicing too, but they have like some of the top Japanese actors and they also have some really good English voice acting. So you don't have to, if you don't like, uh, some people don't like listening to foreign voice acting. We're not getting into that discussion, but um, it's, it's a good English voice cast. Like it's actually a really good dub. I only did the English version, to be honest, but I especially liked Hirakio's voice. He also does the voice of... Uh, Teru Teru and uh, the pigeon guy from Miraculous Ladybug. 
if you know who that is. Isn't that the funniest thing? I rewatched it recently, that specific episode, and I was dying. Anyways, great voice acting, great soundtrack. And now we're going to be on about Trigger Happy Havoc, the first game in the Danganronpa series released in 2010. I just remember with like Trigger Happy Havoc, the name was just, the name is like really what caught my eye, like with the series. Like I just saw that name and then like you get into it. I feel like this game is kind of underrated by a lot of fans as well because of how like, because it's the first game. Do you know what I mean? Like how like the first in the series is kind of overlooked sometimes. If you have like better sequels, the first game doesn't get like the love it deserves. Yeah, I don't know. Trigger Happy has like a a special place in my heart. I really liked it, but I like it a lot. I just feel like with the first game, there's so many stupid characters. Yeah, there there's a lot of uh hand holding. There is again, spoiler warning a character who's like the ultimate detective you know and she really carries quite a bit of the game and you aren't her by the way (laughs) yeah that's like one of the frustrating parts of the first game for me is it made me not like Kyoko who's one of the characters for a while because of the hand-holding and um so do you want to talk about the characters of the first game first or you want to go into the trials what do you what do you think we should like I think we should start with explaining the plot a little bit. We already, mm-hmm. all of the games are pretty similar in that it's a killing game and there's like a trial and things like that. Yeah. I feel like with the first game, it's important because it introduces us to the concept of the killing school trip right, and right. how it's like, oh, well, this is a school of despair. Like, and then we learn like the motives of why these school trips are happening, which we'll get into as the chapters up when we go into the chapter part. And we find out, um, like that one of the big themes of the games are like hope versus despair, and who can you trust? Because there could be a traitor amongst us, or how, like, how can you trust people when one one person could be planning to murder another? Right. So it's like it brought us the the thing about the first game that was interesting is you wanted to hear the intro, like. It wasn't jarring where you had to re-listen to the rules a hundred times, though with the later games, they would add small little rule adjustments. So like one of the important parts of Danganronpa when you play the first game is learning like the rules that come with the school trip. I can't, I don't know all of them at the top of my head, but I, these are like the ones that stuck stuck out to me were like, attacking Headmaster Monokuma is prohibited. Any action, um, there will be a punishment, which we'll talk about the punishment. Um, or you can't break the uh, you can't break or cover the surveillance cameras with one. You can explore around the school though at your own discretion was an important note because that allowed them to explore. Oh, and one thing about the game we mentioned earlier is every t- every chapter you uncover a new floor. It's oh. like after every trial you find a new floor. So like these schools are like oddly built where there's like five or six floors for some reason. There's like are there's like hidden sections that like because some sections are cut off if it's a wide school but like the first game it was just like a belt on top of each other or there was like a part there's like half of what two floors just cut off (laughs) like you get to see the outside of hope's peak at like the beginning beginning of the game and it's like the weirdest looking facility and then you're in it and it's even weirder looking honestly (laughs) i feel like the first game you kind of see the tropes too 
of how the series yeah. gets out because there's a lot of tropes that happen which we'll get into as we go for the chapter other like the chapters but the ultimate lucky student appears more than once or the ultimate detective appears more than once or the ultimate question mark i have a question though because trigger happy was like hope and despair right Mm-hmm. And then I know like the third game, V3 focuses more on like truth versus lies. I don't remember what the second game's like. Was it like beginning versus the end or like, because um, what the second game, Hajime Hinata means like the beginning and then Okane Owari's name means the end. That's... She was like designed to be the end tag until they changed it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't feel like... Goodbye Despair really had like a super solid like X versus Y set up in the same way that Trigger Happy and V3 did. Now one thing about the second game while we're getting a little ahead of ourselves is I appreciate the setting change. Right. I really liked being outdoors for what it's worth. Yeah, I feel like that like made the game like really like bright and enjoyable. But what the first game I think it was very interesting because, you know, like when you're being introduced to something is more exciting. I feel like mm-hmm. as you went through more of the games, the excitement is still there to meet the characters and like see the murders. But like that intro can be so jarring and you're just be like, come on now, let me meet the characters. I know the bear. Come on now. But I think it's also fair to add that the punishment we mentioned in the first 15 is an execution and it's unique to every ultimate student's abilities if you're the ultimate i don't know calligrapher you might be stabbed through with like the nibs of ink pens or something or that's not a spoiler there is no calligrapher i'm just trying to there's a lot of irony that comes with the talents in the game yeah like there's some people who don't even like their talents with like if you look at the characters such as leon in the first game there's some people who don't even want their talent so it's kind of it's kind of uh funny (laughs) yeah and i don't think we've mentioned much that there is like an ultimate lucky student and in the first game you are that lucky student where you don't have a particular talent but hope's peak uh is aiming to research luck yeah, and I also think that um, like with the ultimate lucky student, it's just all right. We're gonna we're gonna get into the plot now because we're here, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was so funny, like when we were introduced to Makoto, the pro tag, that it's he got in because of his luck and for like the lottery. They like in the first introduction, like the first ten minutes, they really like dig into Makoto. They're like, this kid is good at nothing. He doesn't like anything out of conventional norms he the only thing that stands out about him is like the ahoge which is like a little hair spike so describe makoto he is the like if if he was a woman he would be described as a not like other girls character because of Mm -hmm. how average he is and oh he gave me like bella swan like i was like but he had he had more like outward emotions i will give him that but like no interest no like just no achievements it was just kind of like okay this is a definitely self-insert character for us to put like he was yeah. definitely character designed so we could like insert ourselves into the game an extreme blank slate that would that would be his ultimate if you weren't lucky student yeah but i think the good thing with Makoto is he developed a personality 
right right throughout the thing which we'll discuss so like when we get to like the beginning stages we also see the like the we see him on the reddit board reddit boards which i thought was funny I also wanted to mention that I am exactly one inch taller than Makoto, and that's very important to me. Canonically, he's five foot three, I'm five foot four. It super doesn't matter, but I was just thinking about that whenever we talk about it, and I'm like, I'm taller than exactly one fictional character. Okay, so I mentioned earlier they can walk around in the game. In Danganronpa 1, Makoto is so short that you're always walking into guys' crotch and girls' crotch because he's so much shorter than most of the cast. So when you're playing the game, you feel like such a perv because Makoto is so short and the way it's angled in this game, it feels like you're walking into their crotches and you're just like, what is happening? I thought it was a design flaw, honestly. Because like at five foot four, I'm not walking into people's crotches. I think they just messed up a little. I was like, um, excuse me. <laughs> Makoto's a toddler. What what did you feel like getting the short person perspective since you're like six foot something? I was like, this is kind of weird. I'm usually it's usually the other way around where I'm looking down. <laughs> but um at first I I had like a mix feelings on Makoto. I was like, he's not like actively annoying. Like sometimes he just tries right. too hard to fit in. I mean, and He's often used as like the scapegoat character and too. He, and he lets himself be. Because he's like, all right, Makoto is shady like in his like head, but he never says this stuff to people's faces. Yeah, he has like a sassy inner monologue. Yeah, he's always like shading people and just like in his head like da 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 Toko's this, da 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 Miyaki is that. Do I really want to hang out with Toko? Do you really? It like questions you before you do her free time events. It's like, do I want to hang out with her? It's so mean. I don't know. And one of my favorite tropes is also like the Helen Makoto. Yeah, so we come in chapter one. We find out he's going to the Hope Speak Academy because he won a lottery. He arrives there. Since he gets to the doors, he takes his first step into Hope's Peak. And he blacks out, wakes up in an empty classroom, notices the windows are boarded up, and then he... Then he walks into the hallway and he meets the other 15 characters. I guess we can talk about our initial reactions to these characters because you have people like Sakura, Biyaki, Toko, Sayaka. Like there's a whole bunch of them. Mm. What did you think when you saw that overview of the cast? I don't really remember my first reaction. I think it was more just like, oh, this is a choice. Like, instead of putting them in school uniforms or anything, they all have, like, outfits that are, again, like, unique to their talent. And I think I went to Taka first, if I remember right. So, like, ooh, he kind of has a red theme. I saw Mondo's hair is the first thing I noticed. And then I noticed Sakura, because when she's posed in the intro, she's, like, her, it's, like, a real close-up shot of her face. And she looks like a freaking Street Fighter character. Yeah, Sakura's really, like, big and buff. Sakura is the buff girl of the game. So like the, the intro part is like Makoto introduces himself to everyone and then they go to the gym and then they find out from Monokuma that they are in a killing game and everyone shook the house that they have to now kill each other and they're like, we're not going to kill each other. We're going to be friends. Well, besides Viakia. And right. a lot of the beginning part of the game is like them having meetings in the cafeteria about like what they've discovered. Oh, and in the beginning, Makoto gets punched in the face by Mondo because he tried to break up a fight between him and Byakuya who are sparring words. 
I mean, I don't want to have seen that fight, to be honest. That's another one of my favorite scenes, too. And again, this is like a late game spoiler, but Aoi slapping Byakya was so good. Like, that moment felt so good. Yeah, it was a good moment. Um, So we go to that. Then we... Oh, we also find out that Makoto may or may not... Uh, knows a character from childhood named Sayaka who's important for the first chapter and throughout this chapter we are mostly hanging out with Sayaka because we know her and Makoto always noticed her um you have to basically force you to do a three-time event with her so in this game there's a um there's a game mechanic called a three-time event where you get to choose someone to hang out with and you gain friendship points with them but the first one you have to do with Sayaka but before that there's um they're, they find out they all have rooms at the facility assigned to them and that they're like exploring, but there's no way out. So then he has his free time event with her. We're not really going to mention the free time events that much. And then they, um, on one of their hangouts that's like story related, they find this like sword. They like, she wants a self-defense weapon. And there's like, a samurai sword that he takes back to his room, which is like, oh, that's not going to be used for anything. Game, hint, hint, wink, wink. Right. There's there's so many, like, very obvious, like, plot markers that are like, oh, this is going to be so important. And I don't know if we should, like, spoil the trials. I think the first trial is a little bit fair game. But within the fandom, the 11037 thing is just taken so far and the first trial is just so obvious, and I remember thinking, like, oh, is this is this what the game is? Oh, let's talk about the motive for the first one. So <laughs> the motive for the first one is they, like, they, you find out more about the motive if you play the spinoff game of the first game. The motive of the, like, the first tri- like, trial is, like, the center part of the spinoff game, but I'm not going to talk about it too much. But the thing with the motive is they kidnapped, like, the people or thing they loved most and held them hostage. So for Makoto, we see that um, Makoto's was his family. So this is not actually a spoiler for the spinoff game. So like the spinoff game features the people who are kidnapped for each character. So you get to meet them, which is the fun part. Yes. You don't meet all of them, but you find like little bulletins. Mm. And like that say which one is which. It's like collectible to find out who had everyone. Like Makoto's was his parents and his sister. And then... We found out Sayaka's was her band members, but at the end of each video, there's like something horrible happened. So like Makoto's house is torn up, and then Sayaka's bandmates are all like laying on the ground with this like hallucinogenic thing happening on the. Th- it was really weird, and it's like find more, find out what happened after the class trial. So he's like trying to push the murder. So then Sayaka f- obviously freaks out. She freaks out the most out of everyone. She kind of runs out of the room, and then sometime that night she's like. Makoto, can I switch rooms with you? Because someone's trying to break into my room. So we obviously need to switch rooms. So that happens. And then the Makoto ends up in Sayaka's room. And the Makoto has a creep remote. And he's like, oh, Sayaka smells nice. Oh, my goodness. I forgot about that. I ought to remove that from my mind. We are about at time for talking about this first game. I want to mention, like, favorite character and favorite, like, scene. Do you have one? Uh Oh, my favorite character is, I'm going to go with Sakura Ogami, mm. the buff girl. Sakura is like 
the cool and calm type of character who I relate to on a spiritual level. And she's also just the most heroic if you play the game of Hanawai. And um, best scene, I really thought it was funny if you get that there's a bad ending you can get during a trial that I just sound really hilarious. So I'm gonna give that the best scene. What about you? Uh, my favorite character is Taka. It, he's the ultimate moral compass. It's kind of questionable, but I love the depth of his character when you hang out with him. I also really love his design and all of that. And I'm going to cheap out and say that my favorite scene is the sauna scene. Oh, real quick, real quick. What was your favorite <laughs> trial though? Because you only mentioned trial one. Like real quick, what was your favorite trial? It might be a bit ironic, but I really like trial three. Uh, my favorite was trial two because mm. it had so many twists and turns and like the victim and murderer were both kind of heart-wrenching so mm. I think it was really good so after Trigger Happy Havoc the next game in the series is called Goodbye Despair it came out in 2015 question mark I um it actually in, it, in America came out the same year as Trigger Happy Havoc because mm. at least in America they released the two games because they translated both but I think in Japan it came out a different time in Japan, but in America, they came out at the same time. Just like, it was like a few months apart. Oh, interesting. But Goodbye Despair takes place on an island. It's supposed to be like a class field trip, again, with 15 students. And instead of Monokuma, we're introduced to basically like a pink bunny version of Monokuma called Monami. Or is she... Usami. She, Usami, that's her introduction name. And then it changes to Monami because Monokuma shows up and like ruins the whole fun of the school field trip and turns it into a killing game again. Yeah. Also, um, I figured out what the theme for the second game was because you're talking about central theme. So the central theme is like the future and carving out your own path instead of letting the outcome happen for oneself. Oh, it's kind of that's the theme. And sense. I think you could see it with like when we talk about Hajime and the other half of Hajime, that it kind of makes sense there. But I think the best part of the second game, as we said earlier, is the setting change. What did you think about the setting change? Well, we kind of already mentioned that. Liked it. It was kind of like it starts out before the twist, like trying to get you, and it's supposed to be like a friendship simulator thing. The twist is really obvious. When you start up the game, it loads up like a um right. like a Game Boy Advance. Thank you. Yeah. The game style is completely different. Like one of the things is instead of like walking like first person, you walk like a side scroller. Yeah, there's a little bit of both. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. So when you're on when you're switching areas, it's side scroller, but when you're in an area itself, it's like first person. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, you get to watch yourself running. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that, but I kind of felt like the running was useless, but it's incentivized because you have like a little Tamagotchi and depending on what gifts you give it, it turns into different creatures. It doesn't serve any real function in the other parts of the game. It's just like a little add-on that they're like giving you for some reason. That's what I wanted to mention. Only we have the same mind. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you have to clean up its poop or it gets sad. It's really weird. <laughs> I, I think the cast that we meet in the second game is a lot more fun. I feel like everybody has a little bit more personality. Maybe that's just because like the setting is outside and like, but I just felt like the characters were 
a little bit more fun like ibuki i love her anyways i feel like with the first game the characters were kind of there was a few you really loved but i feel like for the most part they were kind of like you know they're good they're there i feel like with the second game you loved them or hated them and i think that's i think that's better because i like i like the first game for the most part most of the characters where you liked them the second game they're so out there that it's like you have a strong opinion and i liked that like there's so many polarizing characters from nagito to hiyoko to um even kazuichi there's people who be every character almost every character has like such a like uh there's a hate train for every character and love train some of them are bigger than others but like personally i don't like teru 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 freaks me out Terry Teru is the I feel like is the only character that has like a the sh- big like a strong one sided reaction where it's mostly hatred. I've only seen like one character person ever say that they liked them, and it's not because they liked him. They said they liked how his advances kept failing, so they were like laughing at him. If there's any Terry Terry stands that want to come on this show and like explain themselves, I'd really love to hear it. He's just generally like a hated character. He's kind of like the uh. Yasuhiro. Yeah. No, I feel like he's more like Kafumi. Yeah, some people like Yasuhiro, but like generally he was kind of useless and disliked. So who are your favorite characters and who are your like biggest pet peeves? I mentioned earlier, I really love Ibuki. God bless. I like Kazuichi mostly because like the pink lemonade design. And I also really love Gundam because he's Gundam. My favorite were... Gundam, Hyoko, and like Nagito. I like the drama, if you can't tell. You don't like Nekomaru. Okay, my dislikes are Nekomaru, Akane, and who's the other? Oh, Teru I can't, I hate mm. all. I don't, okay, my, this is my problem with Nekomaru and, Ter- and Akane. They, I don't like their designs, and they also are just useless. You can't, you have to pick a struggle. You can't have both with me. Or you sh- I just hate you. Oh. <laughs> They're both useless. I... Nekomaru at least had some redeeming qualities. I don't find, the only thing about Connie is they try to shoot in a sad backstory that never plays out in the story. Like, if right. you don't do her first events, you have no reason to sympathize with her. So I just don't like Akane. I understand, like, why people don't really care for Akane. I think she's I think it's really hard to design like more than 16 like really great characters but personally I like Nekomaru I like his like big buff design and I like how corny he is I don't know that's my argument not necessarily about him but I'm not saying who and I'm not saying this is specific to any of the people here because this could be a spoiler so this is I'm not saying this applies to anyone who I just mentioned but one thing that will make me hate a character is if they're a survivor and I don't feel like it was justified. What are your favorite moments in the second game? The lead up to, I think it was chapter five, the lead up to that and also the trial for that one. I thought it was really so much more exciting than some of the other games. The best part about the second game was the motives to me. I thought every motive, every chapter was fun. And like the ant, like the antag of this game was being one of this like not not just like the headmaster themselves because like the first game you have Yakia but he only does one thing one chapter really he just complains yeah. the rest of the time 
when I when we talk about we have to talk about Nagito when we talk about this game. Nagito goes out of his way to be a nuisance in the best ways possible, which makes the game have so much tension. <laughs> I feel like also, 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 and I, I've mentioned this to you before. I don't know if you ever went through with it, but I feel like we can't do this without mentioning Komeda Love Mail. I saw some of it, yeah. Mm, I, I went through it a little bit, but it's honestly scary. <laughs> like the dedication someone put into I think it was like an anonymous team of people created it. It's essentially this website with like so, so many links. If you're a Danganronpa fan, if you like Komeda, visit Komeda Love Mail. It's a trip of its own and like bring a friend. When we talked about true crime and like obsession with true crime people, there's the weird obsession with Komeda who is obviously has like issues to like a weird degree. Like, I like him for being an antagonist, but I'm not infatuated with him. I really, I really loved how he, who made us the ultimate lucky student. And, like, lucky students do have, like, a certain degree of real luck. Some of it's plot armor, or it's all plot armor, but I really like how he uses his luck in a very particular way. I think Nagato is the best character in terms of using their talent throughout the game. Mm-hmm. That's my, oh, this is a complaint. I, this is a love Danganronpa episode, but we have to say a complaint or two. The one thing I don't like about Danganronpa is the lack of talent that people will think. I feel like their talent doesn't actually come up enough for them being ultimate students in the game. Like besides the free time events in the story, besides that they commit a murder, their talent is kind of irrelevant. There's even a joke in the first game about Choco's talent being so irrelevant to the plot till she mentions the, uh, this like, Yasuhiro makes this joke. Oh, this is the first time you've talked about your talent, right? It's so like on the nose that like sometimes these characters just don't bring up their talent. Like there's only a few characters whose talent actually like really affects their stories besides the protags and it's like nagito miyu uses her talent a lot there's like just a few of them that i just feel like their talent needed to be used more i feel like fuhiko didn't necessarily use his talent but his talent was reflected in a lot of his actions and that also goes for ibuki yeah i agree but i also feel like with ibuki with her talent and also, there's, like, other... I feel like in the second game, we had way more... Like, in the first game, there's only, like, two cutscenes you can unlock. In the second game, you see a lot of Ibuki in cutscenes that, like, you can unlock. Right. But I just feel like her talent could have been used more still. Like, I don't know. Right. And I don't necessarily use the talents in, like, the murders or trials very much. And that makes sense because, like, you wouldn't want to be, like the ultimate chef using like kitchenware to kill people. I don't know. Terry Cheru as ultimate chef he, uses his talent. He makes food once. He he uses it for that. He does use it for the um spoiler, he does use it for the murder though, because he where he hides the weapon. I know. I realized it as I was saying it and I was like, oh when we talk also talk about the game, like what was your like so we talked about what was your favorite trial? You kind of already I think you hinted at it. Yeah, five. I really liked. I think the 
they have i think this game has like top six trials which are two for me four and five i didn't like the second trial i liked the premise of like the past coming back right i just thought and i liked the arcade you know what i mean and i liked really i I liked every i liked every single thing about it the arcade was a bit too I liked that I liked that you were unsolving tumors that wasn't the third chapter that was the best part to me yeah I don't know something about the arcade game just felt really like but why don't you put it in the game game why does it have to be meta Mm, I get that I also just I liked the tower in chapter four like I just thought that whole like thing was really cool so confusing for me (laughs) It was, but like I also just like the twist of like they're gonna starve to death. I was like, for the moment, I was like, right. I thought that was so weird because it's literally a rule that like the students need to be provided for, like to survive. I think it was supposed to go with the corruption of the game happening because the mm. the people were trying to hack into the game back. So like the the game was progressively. The rules were slowly like being messed with the longer you played. Right. I also really love that that's when Komeda starts acting like really mean. And something about that is just really funny to me that he's like heartbroken. Did you have, oh, we talked about ships at the first game a bit. Did you have any ships in the second game? Uh, not really. Mine was just not Hajime and Chiaki because that was so forced. Yeah. I don't know. We're about at time with this one, too, so. So now we're going to be talking about Danganronpa v. Free, Killing Harmony, the last installment in the official, like, main series line. And Danganronpa v. Free, there's a few changes. We have a female protag, mm. which that, that, that was a good, uh, that was a fun time. And then there's also, like, oh, I can't say this is for later on, but there's there's some differences, like, well, we're back in a school, like, the first game, but it's it's not Hope's Peak, which was a nice change. Oh, and I feel like the game atmosphere is a lot kind of darker. Like, not like there's, like, it, the game's scarier, but, like, the design of the school is just more gloomy. Yeah. And then, I don't know. I feel like with this set of characters, though, it was kind of, I feel like the theme of this game, well, Misha, you said you know what the theme, what did you think the theme was? It was truth and lies. Yeah, I agree. Because there's a there's a mechanic now where you can lie at the trials instead of um. What's the new thing you could do? You could actively lie and uh miss bring people to unlock scenes, which I thought was cool. Yeah. What was your overall thought about like the opening of V three and like meeting these new characters? I was really excited to not be like a lucky student slash blank slate. Spoiler alert, uh, the female protag, her name is Kaede, and she's the ultimate piano player. And I I thought that was really fun. Oh, we're going to get to hear her play. It was also nice because Kaede is an extreme extrovert. Like, I just thought it was a nice change of pace in terms of personality because the first two characters, they weren't like, uh, Hajime was like middle of the road. And I would say Makoto was not introverted, but he was kind of to himself. So, yeah. but, like, he, he would talk to people, but, like, he was kind of timid. How did you feel about, like, the, the bears? What were the monokids? Right. Yeah, the monokids. So, we have, so, like, there's, like, monosuke, monokid, monofunny, 
Mano Dam, Mano Taro. Yeah, I can't remember their names. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, so there's like the Mano Cubs or like Monokuma's kids or the new mascots. So instead of Mano, like that, we had like um, Usami or Manami last game. And so we have five Cubs who were really annoying, who were, were the worst introduction to this game. There is no, that's like the, one of the biggest flaws of E3 was even bringing them in. Right. I could not stand them. They like, so like you'll be having an important conversation, right? And like you feel like the plot's going somewhere. And they just pop out of nowhere and they try to make everything a funny moment when you're in a serious discussion. It's really jarring. And they make like yeah. these, they'll make jokes like, I'm not some swift footed singer who's looking for a never ex boyfriend. Like they'll constantly make these like jokes about the real world. Like the tr- they made like a joke on the Trump election, which that was a whole joke itself. But it was like it was just constantly doing that, and it just it felt so out of place. They're they're like supposed to be comedic relief, but were really just super annoying. And also, what was with like the weird incest dynamic between them? Why? Oh my goodness, why? And yeah. Just- so the daughter has like this weird thing with her brother and a weird <laughs> thing with her dad. Really, yeah. weird. really weird. It's like the worst part of the game. Not uh, your boys incest thing. Oh, let's get about that later. Yeah, again, we have 16 characters, which fun times, fun times. We meet all of them. Um, the difference is, though, when we meet them this time, they're not an ultimate clothing for some reason. They all look like plain jeans and plain John Doe's. And then... There's like a flashback machine and they all get their clothes. So that's like a big thing that we'll find out later on why, which mm. you can find out if you play, but that was a whole thing. And then we meet the 16. Who stood out to you from the beginning besides the female protag? It was Karekia, like right off the bat. I saw him like brooding in the corner and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's it's you. For me, it was like four characters. It was Rantaro, because that's my type. And then the, the all like, I would just notice all the amount of short people in this game. To There's like, so there's Kokichi, Kibo, Himiko, and Ryoma. And even though Kibo is not that short, it's also because he, he looked weird because he's, uh, you find out he's the ultimate robot. So I was like, yeah, what is up with he, this guy? He stood out too. And Hoshi stood out in like a bad way, to be honest. Oh, Koshi's design, dude. Who are your favorites out of the cast? I just dunked on Hoshi, but I actually really liked his character. I kind of liked like the dark, gloomy kind. I just thought his design was so gross, honestly. I like Angie, to be honest. I respect Angie. I don't know if I like her. I have like, I don't hate Angie at all. I really respect for what she did for the plot. I, I hated her when I was playing the game, but after the game, I really appreciated her, if that makes sense. I get that. For my likes were like, I liked Rantaro, Mew, Maki, and uh, Gonta. My dislikes were, um, I don't like Himiko. No, I don't like her either. I don't like Himiko, and I don't like, um, I don't like Karumi that much. I feel like she could have been better. I feel like Karumi was wasted potential. She just felt like Peko 2.0. But, like, change the backstory a bit and give her a different motive. Yeah, they didn't do much with her, really. I'm tired of subservient, silver-haired woman, Danganronpa. 
or like blonde, whatever Karumi's hair color. She had like a weird green, like light green blondish. It was yeah, it was like a blue gray green situation. I don't remember his name. Luminary of the Stars. I didn't care. For Kaito him. Momota. To be honest, I thought he was too happy. I don't mind Kaito. It's just I don't like how he he gets called out, but like he's can be as bad as Kokichi. But it's usually Kokichi gets way more hate than Kaito. Yeah, I don't know. I thought Kaito was just a bit too horny and a bit too, just a bit much, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I also, I was like, I was like in the middle on, um, I really hate Samugi, like with a burning passion. When I first met her, her voice just annoyed me so bad. She has like a crack Minnie Mouse voice. And I cannot do that. I also her how the way she talks is the most irritating thing. Yeah, I didn't love Henko. Like I think the fans really wanted like a canon lesbian character, and Lingang Tenko was like pretty disappointing to be honest. I like her backstory and that it was a guy who convinced her to be that way. I thought that was kind of ironic and funny, but I feel like. I think she could have been more. I feel like she would should have warmed up to the guys more than besides just Shuichi, and that would have made the character better. If she started off that way, and she was tolerable to the, she kept getting more tolerable and better. But it was consistently she hated on everyone until she started liking Shuichi. Also, this is an important time to mention the the love sweets because she's not actually a canon lesbian. A, but B, hers was also like incesty. What is with this game and incense? Anyways, you're laughing, but it's a real problem. <laughs> it's true. Um, who do you think had the best backstory? Hoshi, probably. Hoshi has like that special place in my heart. I like I like Rantaro's because it's so ridiculous that he lost 12 sisters. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like how oh. you have to do that on purpose, to be honest. I also like. I like Muse till she did her love suit is really problematic though. But like hers makes like till you get to the end part before that, it explains her character so much the way she why she is. Because mm-hmm. she's been burnt like because she's been burnt by someone, she obnoxiously pushes everyone away because the one person she wanted to stay didn't. So now she doesn't see the point in having anyone else in her life to do it to her again. I like Mew, but she kind of just makes me sad, so I avoided her. Same goes for Gonta. Why did they make you sad? Like, what? What? Like, you felt like they were like broken people or something. Yeah, like stuck in middle school types. Mm-hmm. Or else, kind of like I, I've already seen this somewhere else. I loved Gonta. Gonta's such a good boy. Gonta's bug party. That was fun. Is that, is that your favorite scene? So let's let's talk about our favorite scene. Oh. I mean, that's one of them, honestly. I also, oh, if you do Kibo's free time events, he reveals that he wants to be a singer someday, and that part killed me. Did you ever hear that audio clip of Kibo singing? No. It's oh, I have to send it to you. It's so good. So good. <laughs> my I, my favorite scene is actually, this is going to sound morbid, but literally, my favorite scene is um one of the it's like involves one of the murders by Marcus who dies, but like chapter three, 
<laughs> when you find out what happens, it's the most meme death we're reading ever. It's so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, that, that is. I, I love that fandom meme. I also, I just also, um, I love the part where, like, I feel like the free time events in this game were more substantial. So I liked doing them sure. more. And, like, you got to move around with another character, too. Like, you'd start in the school and maybe you'd go outside. And it's such a small detail, but I think it added a lot in comparison to, like, a black screen. I hung out with Sakura today. What was your favorite trial slash chapter? I tend to like the end game trials a lot, to be honest. This is the first time I'll say chapter one really set the pace for this game. Like the, I'm not saying the last chapters were not were not better, but there has never been an opening to a visual novel in chapter one that stunted me like that one did. Yeah, that one was actually pretty. Intense. Like that's like a that's like an S tier, a, a plus tier chapter right there. But I also give it to um, I have to give it to chapter four, dude, because mm. even though it was kind of meta. It was very, just the whole thing was entertaining. Just the whole thing. I don't know. I like the end trials just because they, I love like the plot being wrapped up. I didn't like chapter six. I liked chapter five though. Fair enough. <laughs> That's just because I don't like, I'm not saying who it is, but I didn't like the villain reveal. Trial five was good. Trial six was... I think the second game had the best chapter, Trial 6. I think Chapter 3 had a better one than the first game, though, only because the first one went on way too long. That's another thing is, like, why are the trials so long? Oh, yeah, guys. If you play it, these trials are, like, longer than your future. It's ridiculous, dude. Like, I live a decent amount away from Chicago, three-odd hours, and honestly, I could drive to Chicago in the amount of time those trials took. I took restroom breaks. It was like a whole, whole fiasco. So now that we're like, we're kind of like done with V3. So before we end this, Nisha, yeah. I kind of want to know what were your problems real quick with Dungeon Europa? I mentioned mine, so I don't feel like I need to say anymore. But like, I kind of want to know, you mentioned like the incesty thing. Was there anything else that you had a problem with? A, the incesty thing. B, I don't like how, like, once you complete the game, there's, like, a game after the game that's kind of, like, a dating sim style thing. I I don't want to date high schoolers. That's weird. I think that that's weird. I also think that they could have been a lot more clear with their representation because there are some characters where, like, specifically... And, like, people who know the game know Chihiro, right? And I feel like if they wanted to portray a character like that, they could have done it a bit better. Yeah, they they queer-coded a lot of characters instead of outright saying right. their identity. Another example is, like, Rantaro. This, is, this never comes up in the game, so I can say this. He wears, like, a ring on, like, a part of your finger, only one ring, which is supposed to represent asexuality, but it's mm-hmm. never brought up as a plot point. So it's like, it's just like, I'm not saying that has to be a big part of their personality. But I feel like when you're befriending someone, these things kind of naturally come up over time. And I also think, Misha, what they should have done with the after game, I think it would have been cute if it was like a slice of life instead of a dating sim, where it was like, you befriend all your classmates. And like, yeah, 
the protagonist can at 16 can have a girlfriend but I don't feel like it should be your choice to be pursuing high schoolers like if that just naturally yeah. happens that naturally happens I mean another character that falls into that queer coded category was Tenko like everybody thinks she's a lesbian and then like you go to love sweet and like she's not and it's I don't know that like killed me is that they really blatantly make her hate men and I was like oh she's like no nope also they they ratconned Mondo and Kiyotaka's relationship afterwards right. and the other thing or the only character that was outrightly queer was Teru Teru let that sink in and they just made him like the most perverted weirdo yeah wow stereotypes we love it I'm trying to think if there's anything else I didn't like I get I guess the length like you said no, just the trials. Just the trials. Yeah, fair enough. I really, like, in the anime, they blow through everything, like, super quick. It was only, like, six episodes, which is crazy. And then the first game only goes to about four volumes of manga. Oh, I didn't like in the second game the amount with Mikan, the amount of, um, oh what's, what's that called? What's it called when they like fan service? Yeah, fan service. Yeah. I didn't like the fan service shots with Mikan. Oops, I fell. And then <laughs> that scarred me. That was weird. Like with like with anything, there's a few problematic stuff. So like if you play the game, um, some things you want to look out for are there is some poor representation of mental health, specifically in the first right. game in the trial. They use the word schizophrenia instead of like it's not multi personality. Just um, it's like I think it's dissociative identity disorder now. I think so. They yeah. they like they will like not use proper vocabulary, or like it's stuff like that that's kind of jarring or um just offensive. I just like as you guys know when you go in. There was something else I wanted to mention, but I kind of forgot. It. I don't know. How we treat female. Never mind. Um. Uh. Oh, it was organization. Like, I really wish it were organized a bit more because there's more lore in the anime than in the games. And then there's Ultra Despair Girls, which is an offshoot. And it just feels like the franchise is so large, but so disorganized, too. Like, they'll offer, like, the first season of the anime on one platform, and then on a different platform is the second season. But the second season is called Danganronpa 3, and it's like, ma'am... I also before yeah I agree and I before we end this I want to give a shout out to all the Danganronpa fan gan creators who are making like amazing like little like spinoffs of the game and like doing fan projects because a lot of them are amazing so you guys should check those out yeah. especially if you're, like, you're on a Danganronpa like withdrawal and you're just missing it definitely look into those and actually I think that's like a really great place to end off for today Thanks for like sitting through this hour long special. As you're listening to this, I'm going to be 20. So that's exciting. And Jeffrey's going to be 22. I don't know about you, but I can't sing. So I won't keep going. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Happy summer, everybody. We will see you next week. See you.